0: and I've been called to love as Christ loved me to lay down my life for all of God's children and to know that he did that for me as an example first then I can wake up each day and say I can do hard things because hard things were done for me
1: this is the creative and free podcast and I'm your host Christina Hubbard welcome to a special series called on pause healing words from everyday artists during isolation this is episode number eight Tamara Gurley is my guest today Tamara is a racial educator consultant seminarian and a creative artist who uses spoken and written words to promote freedom and justice She has served in business and ministry leadership for over 14 years. Tamara is a talented spoken word artist, a gracious soul, and a gentle, powerful teacher for peace and reconciliation. Hey, Tamara. Thanks for being with us.
0: Hello. Thanks for having me.
1: So tell us a little bit about your work and your life, your creative life?
0: Yeah, so I am uh, first a mother of four, so we have a 17-year-old, a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a three-year-old, so that fills up um, a lot of my time for sure, but outside of that role, which I find very um, important and meaningful, I spend um, time working on anti-racism work in the church specifically. So my colleague and I created a curriculum called Race and Faith, and it's a four week class where we go in and we um, just talk about what does God have to say about um, his creation and about our role in in, um, justice and in loving our neighbor and um, welcoming the stranger and being a part of, just eradicating racism in our society. So that work is very precious to me and um, it's hard work and it's, it costs me a lot, but it matters to me. Um, And it's very necessary, I feel like, and something that's often avoided in the church. So, um, and then outside of that, I'm in seminary. So I spend a lot of my (laughs) free time reading lots of books and writing lots of papers. So I am poised to graduate in the spring of next year. And then I'm hoping to work on getting my PhD um, in either New Testament or Old Testament. So we'll see where the road leads. That's exciting.
1: And I'm sure it's been hard work during, during the quarantine and having your family all at home. What's that been like?
0: Yeah, it was quite like it was for all of us, just very uh, dramatic in terms of just having to shift gears so quickly in all different realms, um, going from having space and time during the day to work on my schoolwork and work on the race and faith uh, work to just all of a sudden homeschooling all day long and trying to keep people's spirits up and having to deal with... You know, we have different issues with mental health in our home, and so we have to really be mindful of that. And um, and so it's just, it's it's been very difficult to just keep moving forward and keep making space for the things that I know that God has called me to, outside of just my children, while also pouring everything I have into um, helping them through this season and taking care of myself. How have you taken care of yourself? <laughs> I haven't always been great at it, but I <laughs> I <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think it's really important to just make space where you can um, and where I may have had a lot more time and space to do things a lot more, you know, creatively, I've had to find pockets and do things a little bit differently, but I have found a couple apps that have been really helpful for me, um, Pray As You Go is in a great app where they just read scripture and there's a song and a prayer each day. So I typically wake up and I first thing I do is just let those words sink into my mind instead of social media or all the things I have to do that day or a child screaming about something. (laughs) So starting with that has been really helpful as well as there's an app called Headspace, which is just meditations. So sometimes when I just need to be grounded or just practice my breathing and get centered again. I'll turn that one on just to help with that. And for not even just for myself, but for my kids as well. A lot of times in the morning, I'll just make them lay down and listen to a meditation just to like calm everyone down. Um, And then walking and exercising have been very, very helpful just to get outside. Even if it's cold, um, we're all just going to bundle up and go out and try to move our bodies as much as we can get out in nature and be reminded of God's goodness, um, and just his common grace to bless us with so much beauty in this world. Mm -hmm. Do you have any special places you guys go outside? Um, we love hiking, so we just, we kind of made a deal, like, let's see how many parks, you know, we can try to go to throughout this whole thing, (laughs) and I think we've almost gotten to all of them, so (laughs) Um, but yeah, we love the beach probably the most. So we'll drive out to the lake shore, which is about 45 minutes from where I am. And we will just go and watch the sunset and the kids will run on the dunes. Um, and it's and just soak in God's beauty. Um, yeah, you're in
1: Michigan, right? Yeah, we're so, in
0: Michigan, Lake Michigan.
1: So it's colder there, but I'm a little, I'm a little jealous because it is so beautiful
0: up there. It's beautiful, um, but the the cold can get, can get yeah. to you. <laughs> the sunnier days have been helpful. I think, yeah, it was getting a little rough with, there was a few, just several days worth of gray days and cold, and that's just not good for anyone.
1: Yeah. It's really, I think those are the days that it's, it's a mental battle. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. um, So what are some of the challenges? And you, you've mentioned, you know, with family all at home. Um, what, what other challenges have you faced during life on pause?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think we all have our individual things that we're facing, but I try often to pull myself up out of my own world <laughs> and try to look at the bigger picture. Um, which can be a weight of its own. You know, sometimes you have to turn that off a little bit just to calm yourself down. But I think one of the greatest challenges for me is just kind of seeing an opportunity in this. While it's very hard, an opportunity for us to come alongside one another and to sacrifice for one another and to truly lay our lives down for each other and to love our neighbors well. Um, and I think I've just been really discouraged by kind of there's just a lot of negative narratives and behavior happening as people are inconvenienced and made uncomfortable. Mm. And it's just so opposite of what God calls us to, because we're called to be inconvenienced and we're called to be made uncomfortable. And it is hard. And I'm not saying it's not at all. There's days where I'm like, (laughs) But but when I remember that I've been called to love my neighbor and I've been called to love as Christ loved me, to lay down my life for all of God's children and to know that he did that for me as an example first, then I can wake up each day and say I can do hard things because hard things were done for me. So it's been discouraging a little bit to, to not just see that poured out specifically amongst um, the church, but, um, but I know that if I can do it and if I can keep encouraging people to do it, then at least I'm playing my role in seeing that type of thing turned around. What would you say
1: to someone who really wants to reach out more to their neighbors, um, but might not know how, you know, and might be asking, well, what, what can I do?
0: Right. Um, my girlfriends and I were having this conversation last night. We've tried to keep zoom meetings up every week, just to try to stay connected. Um, and the question kind of came up, you know, what I try to do this thing and I'm just not good at that thing. And I try to do this thing and I'm not great at that thing. And we all kind of were like, well, why don't we just do the thing that we are good at and the thing that God's created us to do? Um, instead of trying to be and do something that we're not necessarily. So I think it's important to just do a pulse check and to remember how God wired you, how God created you, the gifts that God has given you, and then how can you be creative in pouring those out into the world right now? Um, so I, you know, it's, it's more difficult and more challenging, but even just, um, remembering to check in on people to send messages to take time for phone calls to um, write letters you know notes of encouragement things that we don't normally make space for that maybe now we have time for um, porch drop-offs mm-hmm. are easy you know <laughs> in such a great way to say I love you calling uh, calling around to the nonprofits in your area and seeing if there's anything that needs donated um, and then taking the time to gather those things up. My kids and I have been trying to write letters to various essential workers so that anytime we go somewhere and we are served in some way, whether it's the cashier at the grocery store or the, the, the man or woman picking up our trash or the lady delivering our mail, we have something to give them an offering of Thanksgiving um, and I think that's good for you know our children to see what it looks like to express gratitude and to understand that people are making a sacrifice to take care of us right now. So I think even expressing gratitude, while it's not something you're like going out and doing this big thing. It's this small thing that is good for both you to practice and for other people to receive. That's really a, a beautiful
1: way to draw your family into that mm-hmm. and to connect with those people that we're kind of saying hi to from a distance yeah. sometimes. I love that idea to give them a note and to say thank you. And I love how you called that an offering of Thanksgiving. Yeah. It really is.
0: Yeah. And I think it is, we may as adults can, it can become a habit to write thank you notes, you know, for some of us, but For my kids, every time I'm like, I want you to sit down and like actually write three whole sentences, (laughs) you know. And it's like, ah, but I could be playing this or doing that. But it's slowing yourself down long enough to just think of someone else above yourself. And I hope that that's fostered in them, and that's something that they continue to practice as they grow up. Yeah,
1: it's not just a.
0: Thank you and move yeah. on. It's, yeah, but it's, why? <laughs> yes.
1: Why? Yeah, why is this meaningful? And it's that's a really uh, small but profoundly meaningful way to connect to someone else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you have got something to read to us that you wrote. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to tell us about it and then uh, share it with us.
0: Yeah, so I. You know, when you asked me to be on the podcast, um, and you said find something or, or share something you've written, I realized that I had not um, taken the time to really write out all the things that I had been feeling. And writing is extremely healing for me, um, sp- specifically when can I when I can write in a creative way. My seminary papers are not always healing, <laughs> <laughs> but I really. No, this no. Right <laughs> Uh, God bless that my professors but um, so to be able to take a moment to just first for myself pour out what had been in my heart and in my mind um, and a lot of that again a little bit of what I shared before was um, just birthed out of two things one I I find often in Christian circles that we are rushed through our emotions, specifically when those emotions are what we deem negative. So sadness, sorrow, fear, despair, like it's going to be okay. You know, God's got this and we're just kind of like pushed through it. But God has given us our emotions for a reason. They are there to protect us. They're there to help us process through things. they're there to give us a way to express the things that are in our bodies. And um, and I think it's a, it's a shame that we push people through those emotions so quickly. And this particular pandemic has pressed us all into all types of grief and sorrow and despair and anger and every stage of everything, trauma. Um, and I just wanted to give people permission to feel that and to say, this is really hard and I am really sad and I, and that I am grieving that thing. And, and to say, that's okay. Like, it's okay to grieve. that, it's okay to feel what you feel. Um, and to start there, the process of lament is a profound practice that is often missed in the church. And it's just this way of expressing our deep pain and sorrow, not just individually, but communally to say we as a community are suffering and we as a community are feeling pain. Um, and to let that voice rise to the surface first, like let's just let that be what it is and then allow God to begin to do what he does, to weep with us, to mourn with us, to heal us, to bring us back up, to to strengthen us. Um, But that's a process. I think the second reason why I wrote this piece was just uh, around this idea of Shalom and that we are, Called to be peacemakers in our world, and that shalom is not the absence of trouble or the absence of war, but it's the presence of peace. And we are in this world, and there is clearly a lot of things that aren't great right now. <laughs> there's things, there's sickness, there's darkness, there's disease, there's all these things. But we've been called to be the type of people, as the church, who go out and help foster shalom in our world and that idea of wholeness um, and for all people, all of God's children. And I think this pandemic has really highlighted a lot of the disparities and injustices that already existed, but are now exacerbated by this disease um, from communities of color being hit harder, um, to who's having to, you know, who are most of the essential workers that are that are having to go and work and all these kinds of things that are being shown. Um, and, my hope is that that propels us, that convicts our hearts and causes us to want to continue the work of being agents of, of shalom in our world in ways that maybe we didn't see before. So those are kind of the the two thoughts behind this piece that I wrote um, called Not Yet. We're in the already but not yet and um, as believers. So what is our role in the not yet? Lament give voice to the silenced let the sound of sorrow rise stay in the suffering settle into the discomfort the pain and the longing birthed in this place we call home this earth defined by the already but marked by the not yet a waiting room we inhabit an unsettling space a home where both joy and despair are birthed, hope and desperation move upon us, life and loss a familiar song, a steady rhythm of harmony and dissonance, of beauty and sickness, of laughter and brokenness. Already we know you have set your people free, rescued your creation and abiding in your church, but not yet have we chosen to fully love you and faithfully love one another. Not yet have we given our lives for the stranger. Not yet have we accepted your image as the mark on all your children. Not yet have we experienced your full peace and shalom. In the not yet lament, don't look away. Fight against the urge to push past the hurt, to settle on shallow, it will all be okays and cliche, God's got this, don't worry or be afraid. There is blood on the table, lungs gasping for air, lives lost in the struggle, while there are those fighting for freedoms that don't set us free. For freedom in you is death on a cross, it's sacrifice, humility, and laying down one's life. Stripped bare before you, we lay limber as dough, your word like yeast causing us to rise in your time. But risen dough is still fragile till it's put through the fire. When firm, it is ready to be offered up to the hungry. You give us your strength to be strength for our brothers. You give us your life to be nourishment for our sisters. The not yet is the call to see one another, to ask for what we need, receive what we've been given, and care for each other. While we await the not yet, we can usher it in by living the way that you called us to live, but first see, hear, be still, lament. We can lament the not yet while expressing gratitude for the already. Lament and hope do not have to be at war with each other. We hope for your return, for the completion of your rescue, for that it is finished to be seen here and now, as it is in heaven.
1: I asked Tamara to speak a few words about what we can do in light of the recent racial violence in the U.S. against people of color. How can you and I go beyond posting on social media, which has its place and is important, but the work of our hearts and our lives surpasses that? and calls us beyond silence and fear to repentance, reconciliation, and engagement. Here's what Tamara had to say.
2: Yeah, you know, posting on social media has almost become this shallow form of justice-seeking. Not to say that posting about things are wrong. I post, I write, I share. You know, we're called to be truth-tellers. We're called to speak up. But we're called to something much deeper than just to post on social media. And if we choose to post about justice, you know, for the murder of a black man or a woman, as is happening right now in real time, um, and has been happening throughout our history, you know, before we do that, or while we're doing that, we've got to take a beat and put on trial our own heart we got to face our own privilege, own racism, our own racialized worldview. And then, you know, I tell people, once you face that, you must commit to righteous, which is right living, which is justice. Um, Those two things go hand in hand because it is only by the blood of Jesus that we've been justified, that we've been made righteous in the eyes of God, and we have been made right because we are called to be a part of ushering in justice to the most vulnerable among us because we need a more robust understanding of justice because justice is not just um, someone getting arrested. You know, the biblical form of justice is all about right relationship. It's the way God created us to live and be with one another um, from the beginning Uh, to be right with one another, to be right with God, to be ruling and having dominion over created things, not over one another, to be looking at um, the way God, what God calls good and what God calls evil and not twisting those things for our own benefit and for our own gain. So if you say, what can I do? (laughs) I say, first, try your own heart. Ask the Lord to search it. Confess your sin, repent of it, and then this is the step we always miss repair. Commit to working toward repair. And to learn your history, start listening and believing voices of color. Change up your feed, uh, start reading books, listening to podcasts from voices of color. And then, lastly, begin to live and advocate as if you yourself were the one experiencing the pain and experiencing the oppression. Um, and not just with posts, right? But with every bit of privilege you can leverage, every bit of privilege you can lay down, from how it should affect everything from how you vote to where you're tithing to how you're fighting for change right where you are. And um, specifically to moms and dads, white mothers and fathers, we've got to raise our white sons and daughters to know better and to do better because lives are at stake. And it may not be their life, but the Bible says we are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper.
1: I want to send a special thank you to Tamara for recording that segment last minute for you. I thought it was really relevant in light of the recent events here in the U.S. Please find Tamara's work at lifespilledlikewater.wordpress.com. And thank you for listening. If you tune in via Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a comment. It really helps people find us. Tune in next time when Nikki Hardy and I talk about what her journey with cancer taught her about thriving, not just surviving during times of crisis. Until then, in the words of John O'Donohue, may you live this day compassionate in heart, clear in word, Gracious in awareness, courageous in thought, generous in love.